you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we started this one saying that the intended audience is everybody. And today is actually the first time we're going to be having a returning guest. And our returning guest is Dr. Dalton Fabian. And he's going to be discussing what he's been doing these past few months in data science. So thank you so much for taking some time to be on the podcast again. Dalton, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, Tony? Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, of course, of course. And uh, I guess just for a refresher, right, for the people who maybe didn't hear you the first time, what was kind of like the role that you were trying to get into? And I guess what was the, the role that you ended up doing this uh, this past few months? Sure. Yeah. So last time we talked, I was just about to transition into more of a data science role. Um, previously, I had been working at a local digital health company and kind of doing some project management using some of my pharmacy knowledge. Uh, but then late May, I started uh, working at a local health system on their data science team. And then a few weeks ago, got hired on full time. Awesome, awesome. So I guess for the first part of that is how did you even get into that position? Like, was there was it kind of just you had this passion towards it, and then you pursued it? Or was there some kind of additional steps that were kind of serendipitous? Or how, how did that happen? Yeah, so I was definitely interested in getting into data science ever since I graduated from pharmacy school in May 2018. So just over a year ago, I'd kind of tried to set myself up for a potential career in that I took that job at the digital health company as like a stepping stone to the position. I started a master's of analytics last fall in hopes that I would kind of get those skills that a data scientist needs. Interesting story on how I got the actual position. So back when I was in pharmacy school, one of my rotations was at Unity Point Health, which is a company I work for now. And I found out that there was a data scientist in the like corporate, one of the corporate offices. And so went and shadowed him and learned about his job. I thought it was super cool. His project he was working on then was predicting hospital readmissions. So that was a a neat project, learned more about that. Just kept in touch with him for the next year and a half, asking him questions about health data science, like where to find cool health-related data sets. And then this winter, at the end of the winter, I saw a job posting for their first summer data science internship. So I reached out to him like a week later, um, talked to him a little bit about it. He had mentioned that they'd actually just closed the position because they had interviewed their candidates and offered positions. And about a few days later, got an email from him saying someone had dropped out. And he asked me if I wanted to come in and interview for the position. And the rest is history. I, then a few months later, I started the data science internship. Um, the goal was definitely, um, if I fit well with the team, that a position would be available for me after the internship. So that's uh, kind of why I had more confidence in taking an intern position because I knew it would. there was a good potential that it would lead to something. Fast forward to about three weeks ago, I was offered the full-time data science analyst position. Oh, wow. That's really awesome. One of the other things is the, the term data science, right? It's kind of a unique term. The, the term informatics is kind of like the science of information, which is kind of similar as well. So I know they're not the same. And can you kind of describe to the listeners what exactly is data science? Sure. Um, so I can give you an idea of what it involves in a, a healthcare setting. So most of the work that we do on our data science team is using all of the data that we have in the EHR and Unity Point uses Epic. And so we take all of that data over the past five or six years that we've been live on Epic, 
and use that data to predict a bunch of different things uh, using machine learning, artificial intelligence, that sort of stuff. So we try to predict which patients are going to be readmitted to the hospital within 30 days of discharge by comparing patients who are leaving the hospital right now to other patients who looked like them in the past. And it gives us a essentially a percentage chance that somebody's going to be readmitted to the hospital, then we can hand off that information to the care teams and they can kind of adjust follow-up schedules based on uh, when a patient will readmit. We do some work in trying to predict which patients won't show up to their appointment so that the individual clinics can contact that patient and really encourage them to come to their appointments. And we do a lot of other uh, projects. But the common denominator is essentially that we're trying to predict something that will happen in the future so that we can try to negate it. So is that kind of like predictive analytics or is that something? Yeah, different? it's exactly. Yep. Oh, okay. It's predictive analytics. Okay, that's that's really cool. So um, I guess this is a side question, but kind of uh, is this going to be used in application of like AI as well? Yes, definitely. So, I mean, machine learning and predictive analytics are a component of artificial intelligence. They kind of, the, the terminology in the, health, in the data science world is kind of being meshed together right now, where machine learning can kind of mean artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence can kind of mean machine learning, but it's essentially, yeah, trying to predict things from, from data using sort of that artificial intelligence that a computer can learn to recognize patterns in past data and predict something in the future. So all of that's pretty complicated. And I guess, like, how is the company, like, how is the teams made up? Like, what kind of roles are there in the company that contribute to helping create all these complicated machine learning algorithms and predictive analytics? I think one of the most interesting things about Unity Point's data science team is how small we are. There's actually only three of us on the data science team. Um, we have some support from ITE with our like enterprise data warehouse. Um, but the actual data science team that's creating these projects, collecting the data using machine learning, it's just three of us. So there's our data scientist, Ben Cleveland, who has been at Unity Point for four or five years. And then he was kind of by himself for most of that time. And then a year ago, the other data science analyst, Paige Anderson, joined the team. So Ben had someone to work with to work on projects. And then just recently, I joined the team. And so Ben and Paige have a more, quote unquote, traditional IT statistics, computer science background, whereas I bring some of the the clinical expertise or the like healthcare workflow knowledge to the team. So I think it's a good a good combination of those two things on our team. Oh, okay. So um, as you know, as a person who has a pharmacy background, what kind of perspectives do you bring, like specifically? So I understand how clinicians and a lot of our end users of our products are nurses. So I understand more so what nurses are thinking about as they're trying to decide what patients that they'll interact with, like kind of the how how I have appreciation for how busy healthcare professionals are and really encourage the team to make everything as simple as possible that they shouldn't, the nurse shouldn't need to do much to use our tools. As well as I have a better understanding of some of the, like the labs and things that we um, use for our machine learning. So for most of our models that we have that are predicting like hospital admissions. We use a bunch of different factors like the patient's last A1C, the patient's last LDL cholesterol, HDL cholesterol. 
And so one of the things um, that I use my pharmacy knowledge for during my internship was in in one of our models, we were using last HDL, last LDL, or as a, a data point for our model. And I had noticed, I was looking through patients with diabetes on statins, and had noticed the cholesterol lab codes that we were pulling seemed to be very low. About like 10% of those patients with diabetes and on statins had a cholesterol taken recently. And so that kind of uh, like sparked something for me to look more into the data. And so we were pulling in about, with the codes we were using, pulling in about eight or 900,000 uh, cholesterol labs. Well, I looked through more of these labs to see if we were perhaps missing codes. And being able to read some of the lab descriptions, I was able to find an extra 800,000 codes that we could pull in. And then we had a better representation of patients who had a, uh, a cholesterol taken when they were had diabetes and were on statins. So I think just being able to read descriptions of labs and understand what an HDL is, what an LDL is, and how that might be different from a, an HDL to LDL ratio or something like that. Wow, that, that sounds like really cool. And then, you know, the amount of data that you're looking through, that's like massive amounts of data. Okay, yeah. so so I have another question about the, the massiveness of the data. Are you, are you guys using relational databases to kind of store all of that? Or is that is there is still any use with using like file processing systems? No, so we, we use relational databases. So all of that, we have our Epic databases. We're not able to query those directly. So Unity Point actually has an enter- enterprise data warehouse called Health Catalyst that we kind of pull all the data that we need out of Epic to this Health Catalyst platform and using SQL and kind of store all of our data in one place so we're not going to Epic every time. But when we're putting together our data to do machine learning and then when we present our end product, which is a Tableau dashboard, all of that data is being gotten from SQL. So we use a lot of relational database technology. Oh, okay. And then can you kind of go into some of the, the modeling that you use too? Sure. So once we have all of our uh, data together, we do some exploratory data analysis to make sure all of our data looks fine, that we don't have people that are 150 years old, those sorts of things. And then we move on to the modeling part. And it was a really interesting experience during my internship part. So most of the work that we do is not modeling. It's setting up the data and then taking our predictions and building an, uh, an end product. But we spent a, a couple of weeks on modeling for our most recent project. And one of the things, I think one of the most important things that I learned was that sometimes you need to stick to the tried and true methods and not try some of the like state-of-the-art machine learning models. And so a good example of that was when we got to modeling, we would try a few different model types. So there's things uh, called random forest linear regression. So those are very quick methods have been around forever. And then the other one we tried was a neural network, which is essentially modeled after the human brain where you take input and it feeds into other inputs. And at the end, you get a prediction where you can't really tell like what factor was most important if it was if cholesterols were most important or A1Cs. And so as we were working on those models, the random forest and linear regression models like that would 
run on our data set of about 400,000 patients, it would run at about a half hour to 45 minutes. And I was the one responsible. I was the one responsible for the neural network as just a thought exercise. And that same group of patients took about, it took about four days to completely run and get a prediction, whereas the other models had taken 30 to 45 minutes. And the, the real kicker was that the neural network was actually slightly worse at predicting patients who would be admitted to the hospital. So that really taught me that sometimes there's certain models that work better for a certain data set and it's not always those state-of-the-art models. So in terms of like modeling, right, like you were talking about how one model may be better than another. What kind of strategy do you guys use to determine that, like determine whether one model is like the best model for uh, for this type of data set? Or is it kind of like you just try everything and you see which one is the best? Sure. So when we're using each specific model, there's parameters inside of the model that can be tweaked. So we kind of start off with trying to make each model the best that it can be. So you can change, like there's these things called uh, hidden layers in neural networks where you can adjust the depth of uh, these pretend neurons or how many there are. And you can identify which configuration uh, gives you the best predictions. But then once we get done with a specific model, we originally set aside a a bunch of data that we want to use to test the model that it's never seen before. And so we feed that data through the model and it will give us the predictions that the model thinks. So it'll tell us if the model thinks that that patient will be admitted or not admitted to the hospital within the next year, let's say. And so we take those predictions and compare it to what actually happened. And then you get like an accuracy score or a metric called AUC. And you kind of compare those between different models, as well as taking into account how fast or slow they were. Kind of like with my example earlier, if you have a model that takes four days to run and really isn't isn't any better than one that takes 45 minutes, you kind of also have to take that into account also. Oh, okay. Okay, that's that that makes sense. And then uh, the other thing about like data, I'm not sure if like this is something that you consider, but do you do you kind of like also do the structuring of like the data in the relational databases in terms of like like first normal form or second normal form things like that? So, there's a there's a lot of structuring the data that we do uh, before we even get to the actual data modeling. So, I mentioned before that we use an enterprise data warehouse called Health Catalyst. And they have a product that's called a a SAM designer. And it's essentially a place that we can store all of the data that we need outside of Epic. So to populate this data, we use um, a ton of SQL, but it kind of sets it aside. So like a good example, so when we start a new project and we're trying to like calculate who's going to go to the hospital, we need to get our training data And this is how we use this SAM designer. And so the SAM designer has a bunch of different levels of abstraction, might not be a good uh, term for it, but they kind of build on themselves. So we start out generally with a rule. And that's we use that as a date range that we want to get patient data for. So if we are trying to predict patients who might go to the hospital, we might set this rule to get all patients in our health system and their information from 2017 to 2018. Because then we can use, when we go back later and want to put this into production, we just adjust these rules to then use 
more current data. So we have that rule, and then we move on to the what's termed the population. And so these are the types of patients that we want data for. And so in a hospital readmission risk model, we want all patients that are in the hospital because we want to predict if they're going to readmit or not. And then one level above that are these different metrics. And so these are different characteristics of the patients that we want to do modeling on. So it might be there might be one metric for the last A1C for each patient, last blood pressure for each patient. And then at the end of this training data set, we have a summary metric. And so that takes all of those different things that I've mentioned right now and puts them into one table that has one row for each patient. And it will have everyone's in one row will be or one column will be everyone's last A1C, everyone's last blood pressure um, and other piece of information. So this this SAM designer tool really helps us to get all of the data in a form that we need to do the the analytical modeling or data science. Wow, that's really cool. Like I've learned a lot from just like you describing all these data science um terms, if you will, uh, terms and also like the actual uh, activities that you're doing. Um, I yeah. was wondering too, like for the company that you're working for, are there any kind of like upcoming projects you're allowed to talk about? That's pretty exciting. Yeah. So the <clears throat> the project that we're working on right now, and it was actually, it was kind of neat because they started the project right when we started our summer internship. So there's actually two of us interns. And so they had started, they'd waited for us to start the project. And so what we're doing right now is our health system, Unity Point Health, has a care management tool that they use from a, a third party that assigns risk to each patient. And so what we're working on is replacing that old system with um, different metrics for how a patient is at risk for a hospitalization or emergency room visit. And so what we're working on, one of the first things we did was this this tool will help care managers to identify patients that are going to have those hospital visits or ED visits so that they can try to prevent them essentially. And so first thing we did was meet with these care managers to see what tools they use to do that currently, what they like about them, what they don't like about them. What we found is that they use probably about four or five different reports and tools. So it's kind of, it's hard for them to manage all of these different systems. So our goal is to make this all in one system. And so we interviewed those care managers and then uh, kind of started collecting the data. We did a literature review to see what other people have done in the past to predict hospital admission or ED visit and took some of that information as well as some other metrics or characteristics that we thought might be useful in the process, did the modeling, and then currently are working on setting up the the final, the end product that will be a Tableau dashboard that will not only tell the care managers what patients are on their panel right now and what uh, which of those patients may be out of hospital stay recently or in the hospital so that they can better reach out to those patients, but then also a, create a list for them of patients who are at high risk for hospitalization or an ED visit so that they can reach out to that patient and offer their services um, to prevent any future health issues. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. Like all the stuff that you're doing, all the stuff that the company's doing. Um, and this is a really unique role too, like just having the pharmacy background, but then now doing something with data science 
And yeah. um, I know I asked you this last time, but, you know, in the last four months with this experience you have now, do you have any, I guess, different advice you would give to people than before about um, if they wanted to get into data science? I know you provided resources before, yeah. but is there anything different now? Yeah, um, I think the same still applies, like learn some basic uh, programming. I think last time I recommended uh, Data Camp. There's some other uh, platforms that are uh, pretty good to use. I would say um, if you're a student and you can try to do a data science internship at a health system, that would be awesome. So you kind of have that experience before you leave school. And I would say this is for practicing pharmacists and students, but a good way to find out about data science opportunities is really to go on like LinkedIn and just type in data scientist and then a health system in your area. And chances are probably pretty good that you'll find one um, nearby if you live in a, a bigger city. Chances are data health data science is getting a lot bigger. So more hospitals are are having teams like my health systems team. So if you can find someone on LinkedIn who has a position as a data scientist at a health system, reach out to them, connect with them on LinkedIn. Um, in my experience, they've all been happy to tell you about their jobs, like mention in your connection request that you're really interested in what they do and want to learn more about it. If you're a student again, maybe ask about internships. Um, even if you're a practicing pharmacist, you can teach yourself some of this programming stuff. There's uh, interesting data sets on data.gov, and some of them are related to healthcare. Um, there's even a MIT has this de-identified critical care data set. It's of an actual hospital that you can get all these labs and diagnoses and maybe try to predict hospitalizations yourself. But then you can still connect with those people on LinkedIn as a practicing pharmacist and just kind of keep in touch with them like I did with Ben back when I was a student up until I had the data science internship. And you just kind of, after a while, you build a relationship with these data scientists and they'll be able to tell you if there's job opportunities or they might know someone in the industry that's hiring. Because I think more in data science, there's opportunities to work remotely. So it, even if you, even if no one in your area has data science opportunities, there might be options that you can just work remote for a health system or a like a health tech startup, those types of things. I would also say, don't worry about, I know it's maybe different for uh, like informatics or other areas of pharmacy, but I wouldn't be too worried about like if you don't have a residency and you think that's like a prerequisite for data science, it's definitely not. Most data scientists are not clinicians um, and don't have that background. So I would just encourage everyone to pursue, if they're interested in data science, pursue it. Uh, reach out to me. I'm happy to connect you with people or give you advice on projects you can do, that sort of thing. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And you know, just uh, going off of what you said about reaching out to you, how can they reach you? Sure. I can give you my email address or they can definitely just search Dalton Fabian on uh, LinkedIn. Should be able to find me pretty easy, I would imagine, but definitely happy to uh, connect with anyone. Okay, cool, cool. And uh, I'll get your email offline so I can put it in the show notes and I'll include oh. also linking over to your LinkedIn. But you know, to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time to actually come back on the show and explain everything that you've been doing for the last four months. So that was really, yeah. really helpful. Thanks again for having me, Tony. Oh. 
All right. If you like our show, please share with your friends or help us out by giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. Check us out on social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITV.com. If you want to be part of a great networking group, you can also join the Pharmacist Slack at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's many great people on there with different topic channels, including Pharmacy Informatics. I've met great colleagues on there, and I look forward to chatting with you as well. So thanks again for listening, and remember, technology is a tool, patient care is the goal. 